Gerald Singleton and myself went to South Korea. Well, it's been quite a few years ago now. Beautiful church, lovely people. They had a praise team and the ladies dressed in white and they danced to a wonderful worship song and it was beautiful. But one of the things you notice as you went in in the foyer were stacks of shoes. Stacks of shoes. They encouraged you to take off your shoes before you went in the sanctuary, honoring God. And I almost feel like taking off my shoes this morning in the presence of Jehovah. Do you love him? Have you taken time this week to just cut off the television, the radio, and maybe even turned off your cell phone and computer and just taken time to bask in the presence of the Lord. He wants that. He loves that. He desires that. I kept, I kept hearing the word this morning as we were singing the songs. Pleased. Pleased. God's pleased this morning when you worship him and love him and praise him. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you so very much. Those that are here in the congregation and those online, we appreciate it so very much. Thank you for your support, for your prayers. One of the things that we do on Friday night is we have prayer. It is a great time. It's a wonderful time. And um, I remember years ago, Friday night was buying groceries night. But let it be a time of prayer and we ask you to come and it's just an hour that we spend together and we walk around. We start off with prayer and we walk around and talk to God and he talks to us and the music is playing, the lights are dim. And just a wonderful time of worship and praise and prayer. I believe if ever our nation needs prayer, it needs it now. It needs it now. A lot of hurting people. And so we encourage you to be part of what God is doing. We know we're isolated somewhat and we're not able to get together like we usually have been over the many years. But uh, in some measure, we can do something along the line of gathering together. Maybe, yeah, we practice social distancing, but uh, it's good just to get together and come. Thank you for coming and being with us today. Last Sunday was Father's Day and we used the book of Job and we used the man, Job himself, as a wonderful father to his children. He had 10 children, seven boys and three daughters. And uh, we talked about him being such a remarkable father. Today, I'd like to continue from the book of Job. Uh, I don't know when I've enjoyed studying a book like I have lately, this book called Job. And... Uh, it's a masterpiece of literature. In fact, let's listen to what some people say about the book of Job. Victor Hugo says, Tomorrow, if all literature was to be destroyed, and it was left to me to retain one work only, I should save Job. Tennyson said this, The greatest poem, whether of ancient or modern literature, is the book of Job. And then Daniel Webster put it this way, The book of Job taken as a mere work of literary genius, is one of the most wonderful production of any age or of any language. 
And we find it just that. It is a remarkable, remarkable book. And it speaks to us so many principles and encouraging words. Now, I hope most of you picked up, if not all of you, your outline. We do like for you to have an outline as we go through it. It is very, and we don't, we're not giving them out, just like we're not receiving an offering. But they're in the foyer as you come in each Sunday morning. And you can get it on your, uh, on your telephone and make sure as you... I watch some people, and they sit there half the service, and they're doing this. I hope they are reading the Bible or something along that line. But we encourage you to, uh, to, to pick up the outline. Weathering the storm. One of the things that we look at and this book addresses is why people suffer, especially the especially good people, righteous people. Today we look squarely and honestly into the center of the dark clouds and the raging storm of the life of Job. Job is portrayed as a wealthy man of upright character who loves God, yet Yet, God allows Satan to destroy his flocks. He allows the devil to destroy his possessions, his children, all ten. Tornado-type wind hit the house, all ten of his children died at one time. He had ten fresh new graves at one time. And then his health. I, I was interesting as I was reading it. It said he had boils from the. You ever had one boil? I mean, a real bad. It, it just is very painful. Well, the Bible says that Job had boils from the top of his head. Well, no, it says from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. All over. He sat in ash and took pieces of pottery and scraped himself. He was hurting. I mean, it was, it was just, just amazing. Job refuses to give up on God, even though he does not understand why this is happening to him. We too. And the reason it's important to look at what thus saith the Lord is because it speaks to our hearts. Must trust God when we do not understand the difficulties that we face. Well, Roman numeral number three, when I get to it, I'm going to look at some reasons, and we'll look at some reasons why things happen to us in a negative way. First of all, what happened? He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 5,000 yoke of oxen. 5,000. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. 500 yoke of oxen. That means he owned 1,000 oxen because it's yoke meant two. 500 donkeys, and he had a very large number of servants. The collapse of Job's economic empire, Job loses his children, Satan attacks Job's health, his wife shows her lack of spiritual insight and sympathy for his condition. Imagine everything happening to him, and then he walks in, or he's talks to his wife one day and she said Job why don't you curse God and die Job's narrow minded friends blame him for his suffering in fact much of the book of Job is the dialogue 
between he and his so-called friends. And, uh, and then another one, Elihu, or Elihu, which also was in the conversation with Job. Uh, often they told him, in fact, when they first got there, I thought this was very, really interesting. They sat 10 days and never said anything. Just sad. I guess they were looking at the misery of this man and wondering. You got to understand, this was, a, this was a rich man. He was the Bill Gates of his day. Very, very wealthy. He was such an influence to so many people. I mean, he was blessed in every way you can think of. With wealth, his children, everything. And then all of a sudden, and most of this happened in one day. One runner came and told him. Another runner came and told him. One right behind the other. It all came in one day. Bang. And his world came crashing down. So these three men came and just sat and didn't say a word. And Job did not say a word. When they did, they started blaming him. They argued, and Job argued back with them. I was listening this week, and I heard one say, you counter an argument not with another argument. You ever had people that argue with you about, quote, religion or something? You don't counter an argument with another argument. You counter an argument with an experience, with an experience. I uh, was looking at this picture here of Andrew and Jonathan and six others as they went to the Czech Republic. And, and Jonathan says in his letter as he sent it out, he said, our plan was to visit four different universities and Berno, meet the students and share Jesus with them by sharing our testimony. There is nothing like a testimony. Paul used it constantly as he went before leaders and people to tell about Jesus Christ. Someone says, I don't know what to say. Can you tell your experience? You remember the story in the Bible how that the blind man was healed and the religious leaders chided with him for about 40-some verses and they said, this can't happen. Uh, this man cannot be the one that uh, you received the healing from and all of those things. And he argued back with them. And it was an argument back and forth, back and forth. You get nowhere that way. But at the end of the chapter, something that was so profound, he said, I don't know about this man necessarily. But this one thing I know, wherein I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. You can tell people how Jesus changed your life. That's the reason my brother could have such a powerful testimony. Is, and, and people called him and he went to church after church telling about Jesus Christ. He witnessed all the time to people about Jesus. He was one of the greatest witnesses there was because at one time he was bound by alcohol and sin 
and lost about everything that he had. But he walked down that aisle one day, knelt in this altar here, gave his heart to Jesus Christ, and God turned his life around. There's nothing like having Jesus to touch your life and to minister and to bring healing and deliverance to you. Now, let me read some scripture before I go any further. Job 23, 8 through 10. Job 23, 8 through 10. Look, I, Job said, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. Verse 9 says, when he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. He never accused God falsely. He always stayed true to God. He questioned. He didn't understand. All of these things. Also, it says in Job 42, 1 through 6. I love that scripture. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You ask, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. You ever done that? <laughs> you thought you understood and uttered things that you did not understand and Things too wonderful, Job said for me, which I did not know. Listen, verse 4 says, please, and let me speak. You said I will answer you, or rather question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He learned some lessons. And that's the reason that I think as we read God's word, study specific chapters and verses and books of the Bible and understand them, it is such a blessing and such a help. Job's three friends seek to answer the question, why does Job suffer? There's not a one of us that at times we've not been afflicted. There's not a one of us at times that we've not gone through trials and testing and heartaches and pains physically, spiritually, emotionally, no matter what that pain is. And we wonder, God, why do you allow this to happen to me? The three friends have been wrong. Suffering is not the proof of witness, wickedness. Say amen. Suffering is not the proof of wickedness. The young man, Elihu, we will address that a little bit later uh, during this series, appeals to Job to have faith in God and to exercise humility. The why often proves elusive. Why? There are 335 questions in the book of Job. Why? Why? Some of them are rhetorical. Why? Why? I'll never forget many years ago, we had a couple in our church, beautiful couple. They had a five-year-old son that he was afflicted, afflicted with cancer. And they couldn't understand it. A lot of times, in fact, one of the worst things that can happen to any couple or any individual is to lose a child. 
This five-year-old son had cancer. He was at UNC Hospital. And folks visited him. We prayed. We trusted God. We tried to believe the Lord. And uh, it just didn't happen. He died. And the dad, the dad wanted to talk to me. I went out to a restaurant, talked to him. And that dad looked across the table for me. He said, Pastor, either God is all powerful and not all good, or either he's all good and not all powerful. Because if God was all good and all powerful, my son would not be dead today. One lady, as David Wilkerson preached her child's funeral, the lady asked David Wilkerson, where was Jesus? Where was God when my son died? He said the same place he was when his son died. We don't understand. And there are times that we struggle with the why. But I want to deal with the source of suffering. Look at it, if you will. First of all, uh, we live in a fallen world. Most of us know the story of Genesis, how that God created all things good. Adam and Eve were in the garden. There was no sickness. There, were, there was no pain. There was no loss. There was no death. And then, of course, the sin, the fall, quote, fall that happened. And that brought everything on this old world. Uh, Adam sinned, and sin reigns in the world. Why those things happen? Because we live in a fallen world. But how many of you are glad that one day it's going to be restored? <laughs> That's what's so wonderful. Second of all, sometimes it's the enemy. Sometimes Satan, simply as he did with Job, is the origin of what you're facing and what you're going through. And uh, we have to, we certainly have to understand that. Uh, we are involved, someone said, in a cosmic war. We are living in a war zone and we get caught in the crossfire. We don't know what's going on a lot of times in the spiritual world. Same way with Job. Same way with Job. So sometimes it's the fallen world that we simply live in. Sometimes the enemy is trying to destroy. And then sometimes we suffer because of what we do. The Bible says we reap what we sow. Reap what we sow. And if we sow through the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. But, corruption, but if we sow to the spirit, we'll reap life everlasting. We do things to bring on our suffering, to bring on my sickness. I am trying my best to lose some weight. It's hard. If you've ever struggled with losing weight, I don't know if you have. I never have. And I had to get old to try to lose some weight. But sometimes we overeat, and that brings trouble on our bodies. Can I get one little amen? <laughs> sometimes it's because of what we do. Disobedience leads to suffering. Because we've disobeyed God in many areas of our lives. We don't take care of ourselves like we should we allow ourselves to be abused and 
All of those things, we need to be careful and understand we don't want to bring on us and cause us later on to suffer in our lives. If we take drugs, smoke cigarettes, drink alcohol, those things will destroy us. And uh, I've seen people that uh, they suffer because of the things that they did. Sometimes we suffer because of what others do. I wonder, are we suffering this virus because of what China did? I don't know. But we suffer because of what people do. That's the reason it's important for us to guard our home, our cars, our, our space, and not allow sin there. If we can keep it away from us, if we can do what we can to make sure that we don't allow these things to happen to us. I've seen many a parent suffer because of the drugs of their children. They didn't bring it on. I preached a funeral of a beautiful young lady killed in an automobile accident. That family has suffered and suffered and suffered because of what someone else did. Some of us were suffering because of the environment that we were raised in. Let me say something about all of this. You say, well, preacher, I smoked 30 years and now I got saved and I want God to heal me. Will he heal me? Yes. I did all of these things. God, listen, I believe that the law of faith overrides the law of sowing and reaping. And not every time. I've seen it. I've seen it not work. You know, the law of gravity, the law of gravity. You know how you can overcome the law of gravity? Aerodynamics. How does a plane fly? That principle, that law overrides the law of gravity and the law of faith can and will override the law of sowing and reaping of sowing and reaping because of the operation of God's law many of us have met Mr. Gravity and left with pain I mean it's just the law gravity is a law you, you fall down you're going to get hurt it's a operation of God's law. Suffering often comes as a result of an unseen conflict, as we just said, in the spiritual world. Our ability at times to understand certainly is limited. And then God wants to develop us with Christ-like character. I think, Brother Michael, I gave you this verse, and I, I like it, Psalms 119.67. Listen to what the psalmist says. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Someone said, many a good lesson is learned by affliction. I learned some lessons about mama's affliction when I was growing up. I learned I didn't want to tell a lie. <laughs> I learned I didn't want to disobey her, disobey her. You know, we learned those lessons. Someone said the prodigal son had no thought of returning to his father's house until he had been humbled by adversity. Amen? He would have never come back home if he hadn't gotten that big pen. 
And a lot of times God will afflict us or allow affliction rather to come. And I believe that causes us to think and realize, God, I want to return back to you. Sometimes we may try to pray trouble off of our children, grandchildren, our loved ones. We need, to, we need sometimes just to let them suffer. A little quiet, but it's true. I'd rather see someone come or have problems and come to God than to go through life, not have any problems much, and spend eternity in hell. I want to see them come to Jesus Christ. Amen. Affliction will cause us to think and maybe and perhaps turn back to God. Let us look at some lessons learned from the book of Job. Character is more important in God's eyes than the discomfort and pain we experience in life. Amen. God wants us to be people of character, living right, walking right. You say, but my importance is I don't want to hurt. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be afflicted. I'd rather be afflicted and come back to God, as I said a while ago, and be lost. Job's calamities had absolutely no connection with his character. Don't you ever look at someone when they're going through something and think, okay, they must have done something wrong. They must have done something wrong. Carol and I got married. We didn't have children until we'd been married six years. And boy, I'll tell you what, I could preach Fire and brimstone down on people that had children that was astray. But bless God, when I have children, they're going to walk right, talk right, spit white. You know, they're going to they're do right. I judged them. I judged people that had children that was away from God. I said, well, they must have done something wrong. Let me tell you something. I learned to keep my mouth shut. I learned. That just because that child or grandchild is in sin away from God don't necessarily mean that they were not raised according to the scripture. Amen. Now, I do believe in raising them right. Don't get me wrong. It's important. It's important that we raise them in the admonition and, and the way of the Lord. But it's up to them to make that decision. It really is. And so... I learned that, but I'll I tell you what it makes you do. It makes you stay on your knees and pray. It makes you stay on your knees and call on God. A new knowledge of God? The book of Job may not let you get to know exactly why you're suffering as you are, but it will help you to get to know the God who knows. I don't understand it. See, that's the important thing. Job kept asking why, why, why. But God never gave him an answer why. God came, spoke out of the whirlwind, and I love that. It's a powerful, powerful chapter. Chapter 38 and part of 39. God speaking. His powerful, powerful word. But Job never understood it totally. But there's one thing he did. He began to trust God. He got a knowledge of God himself. And I'll tell you, if that, whatever it takes for us to have a wonderful knowledge of God is very important. That's what we were, I felt as we were singing those songs, that we were getting a knowledge of God. 
a real look at the awesomeness of God Almighty himself. So when we go through these things, we have these times. We get a new knowledge of God, and then we get a new knowledge of self. You think you know yourself. We don't know ourselves. But we can. We can if we allow the Lord to touch our lives. How difficult it is to know ourselves. We learn what we are by contrast with something else. If you want to know yourself, get a good look at God. If you want to know yourself, open that Bible it's a mirror. It's a reflection. And we can see exactly what we are. Learning of the character of God helps us to know ourselves. Isaiah, in the year that Uzziah died, in chapter 6 of Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. What was his reaction? What was Isaiah's reaction when he saw the Lord high and lifted up? The cherubims and all the angels that were exposed and he saw. He had a great revelation. And that's what I'm praying for, that we can have this great revelation of God. Then he saw himself. His reaction was this, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. God, expose me to you. Let me read you a word that I can get a glimpse of really who I am. So we have a new knowledge of God when we go through these times. That's great in itself. We have a new knowledge of ourselves where we really know what we're like and what we are. And then the supreme lesson of this sublime book is that joy comes through submission to God. Not knowing. Not understanding all that we're going through. You're going through things right now. And you're wondering, God, what, what's happening in my life? Why am I going through this? You stay true to God. You trust God. You lean upon him. As we sung this morning, learning to lean. Learning to lean. Leaning on the everlasting arm. We learn to lean. Happiness for the human soul is not in, I love this one, is not in conquest, but in being conquered. Not in exaltation, but in humiliation. When we humble ourselves before God, and that's exactly what Job did. He humbled himself before the Lord. And God touched his life and ministered to him. Let's have a song as we pray. Sister Judy, would you come? Lord, we love you today. Lord, I, I want to be able to understand your word. I want to be able to understand the whys of life. But, more, Lord, more than wanting to understand the whys, I want to trust you. I want to learn to lean upon you. I want to learn to, lean, to trust in your word and lean on what thus saith the Lord. God, you know each one that's standing, Lord, in the need of a touch from you today in this room. I pray your blessings, dear God, upon every mom, every dad, every young person. God, I pray as we learn to trust you. And sometimes we face the trouble. Sometimes we face hard times like Job. But God, we're going to be like Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'll learn to trust Jesus. 
in this quiet time, I want you to talk to him. Maybe not audibly, but talk to him from your heart. Allow him to speak to you. Do I believe God will speak to us this morning? Yes, he will. Yes, he speaks through his word, but I believe his spirit will speak to us today. And as you learn to trust him, as you learn to put faith in Jesus Christ, things become much clearer. Maybe not the wise answer, but you'll say like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding Finding more power than I'd ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Sing it with me. Everyone, would you? Sing it with faith in your heart. Learning to lean. Learning. Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean. I'm finding more power. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. Faith is one of them. There are nine fruit of the Spirit. Faith is one of them. As you learn to lean, as you learn to trust God, you exercise faith. Allow the faith of the Holy Spirit Allow the faith of the fruit of the Spirit. Let that operate in your life. There is nothing, nothing like it. Sometimes it takes learning. Sometimes it takes the trials. As I said earlier, the prodigal son. The prodigal son learned. He learned he couldn't make it on his own. I want us to sing it one more time. And as we sing it, I want you to say, Lord... I want to trust you in this area, this one area. Sing it. Learning to lean. Learning. I'm learning. To lean on Jesus. Finding 
I do believe in the prayer of agreement. I do believe in the prayer of agreement. And what I want to do today, I I just really miss praying around this altar. We'll get back one day. But I do believe in the prayer of agreement. And if you're here this morning and you have a need, whether it's a spiritual need, whether it's a physical need, maybe it's a financial need, maybe something that needs to break in your... I do believe that God will move. The important thing about Job, he never lost his faith in God. He never accused God falsely. And because of his faithfulness, God restored to him more than he had when he started out. Can you imagine that? All the riches, the children, the home. I'd like to know what happened to his wife. But God restored all this back because he trusted God. And I believe we have some here today, you're going to trust God no matter. But I believe God wants to touch your life. And you have something, no matter what the need is, slip up that hand and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? Come on, all over the building. All over the building. All of us. All over the building. Come on. I want you to hold it up. Now, Father... I thank you, I thank you that you are a prayer answering God. I thank you for faith being one of the gifts of the Spirit. I thank you for that faith, an extra special help when we need it. But I also thank you of faith as a fruit. Lord, and I sense that fruit in this place today. And Lord, we're going to reach out to that tree and pluck that faith. Trust you. Believe you. Have faith in you. And we're going to learn to lean upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand with me?